Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. Man, today we are so excited to celebrate not just here at Real Life, but around the world with the millions and millions of other Christians that follow Jesus. It's incredibly a part of what God is doing with the hundreds of thousands of churches across our world. What's really cool is uh, we get to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And so we just want to celebrate together with other churches. And today is a big day for a church in our city. Journey Church is launching a South Campus in Olathe today on Easter Resurrection Sunday. And we can be a part of celebrating the risen Savior together. So I want to welcome you to Resurrection Sunday that Jesus is alive. Amen. What a great day to celebrate Jesus. I just want to encourage you, if you have a friend um, you may want to bring to church sometime, next week's a great opportunity to bring somebody. We're going to start on the ground floor of a new sermon series called To Love Like Jesus. And so if you want to get into what Jesus is doing here at Real Life, next week could be an incredible time to do that. I'm going to jump in today. It's going to be run a little fast-paced, but man, I just want to just so passionate to tell you about who Jesus is. And so we're going to start with a question. It's really the most important question that you could ever ask. It's the most important question you want to wrestle with. And usually you hit this question when life gets a little rough. And really, it just kind of boils down to this. What does it take to be made right with God? What does it take to be made right with God? If I were to ask this question to everybody in this room, we might get a lot of different answers, right? We'll go out into the world and you're going to hear, hey, what's good for you is good for you. What's good for me is good for me. And as long as your truth includes everybody, it's a cool truth. And it excludes somebody that that truth is, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's not going to work. And so we have a high value on tolerance and including stuff. And, and uh, you know, my dad and my family, there's just different beliefs. And, uh, you know, I've heard like the string theory and, and different things and Scientology. And my brother would say, man, Jesus is awesome. He's a great person. I, I believe in the historical Jesus, but I don't know about the whole Bible, you know. But if it was a false something, it would be the Bible, you know. And we have all these different views. And for us, it's always interesting to me that we can talk about spirituality as long as it includes everybody, right? Like, it makes everybody happy. We're good with it. And sometimes we get this feel-good theology, like, uh, especially around, like, death or different, or different times in life. And we're just kind of like, man, we just believe the best, right? We believe things that aren't necessarily true just to kind of feel better. And sometimes at a funeral, say, man, they're in a better place. And, you know, grandma's looking over from the edge of heaven and she's looking down on us and grandma's looking down on us. I'm like, man, there's two or three times a day. I don't want anybody looking down on me from heaven. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's kind of like, no, that's not, that's not cool. You know? Um, but we have these different beliefs. We have this kind of feel good theology at times. And then Jesus makes some crazy statements that are controversial, right? And all of a sudden, things kind of get dicey when you're talking about Jesus. It's like all cool, like Jesus loves people. We love the message of forgiveness, and Jesus cares for people. And, you know, Jesus was real, like he's historical, but like really the son of God. And Jesus makes this comment, and uh, it comes off the heels of saying, hey, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And Thomas looks at Jesus and says, hey, how do we get there? Like, where's this place you're talking about? And Jesus probably makes the most exclusive comment ever found in the Bible in John 14, verse 6. It says this. Jesus answers, says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I mean, that's pretty exclusive, isn't it? Like, there's just only one way to Jesus, and all of a sudden there's this division in the house. There's division in our country that there's only one way. There's no way. And so in our world today, we almost go to the point where we'd say, like, all roads lead to the same place. That's the, the world I grew up in. It's what's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is true for me. It's all good, baby. We're all going the same place. We're all touching the same thing. It all gets there. And so I just want to take a few minutes just to dive in, like, what do different, like, world religions even believe? 
Like, do they, are they really the same? Just to kind of throw it out there, because it's so easy to say, well, it's all the same. And so I just want to take a few minutes to dive in. I'm not going to go very long on this, but if you look at, like, Buddhism, they'd say there's really no God. That you're just rebirthed over and over again, reincarnated. You know, you, you, you loved a tree. You used to be a tree. Now you're something else. And it just goes on and on and on. There's no really cycle to it ends. You contrast that with Hinduism. It believes there's a God, but it's an impersonal God. A God you really can't reach. It doesn't really step into your life. And you worship all these deities and these statues and these idols. You've ever been on a trip outside the country or maybe in different areas. You get these little statues outside your house and these little patron saints. And if you contrast these two, there's really no forgiveness of sins. There's no really help from God above, from a supernatural being. And really it comes down to karma, right? Like if you pull out a real life church and cut somebody off, well, guess what's going to happen, right? <laughs> Someone's going to cut you off again. And so you just get what you deserve. And that's kind of the way the world works. And you look at the Muslim culture and they worship a, a personal God named Allah. There's just no other gods. Uh, there's no idols. And you're staying with God's really based upon your religious good deeds. You just keep up your good works, you know, pray, chant, meditate, just keep on doing and doing and good and doing it. Hopefully you're good enough for God to accept you into heaven. You look at today's age and the new age, we really would say there's probably no God. For many people, it's just like, hey, we just exist. We're kind of one with the cosmos. You know, it's kind of going with their feelings. And truth is super relative. And that's the world we live in. If you look at Jesus as a Christian, you look at he has one of the personal relationship with people, that he loves people, that he was born of a virgin, that he was sinless, that he died on a cross for our sin. And the way to be right, made right with God is to have a relationship with him. Like, so we can all agree there's probably some, some good things in world religions or some good, awesome things, but ultimately they are totally different, right? There's really not a lot in com- common across the board. And so today, I just want to challenge you really to consider Jesus. Like, who is Jesus to you? Like, what, it, what is Jesus? Like, what's your experience with Jesus? Just to consider him across the board. And so we're going to jump into three aspects of how you can consider Jesus this morning. The first thing is this, consider his ministry. I mean, there's an awesome passage in the Bible that really sums up his ministry, and he says it himself. It's found in Mark chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. It says this, When the teacher of the law, who were Pharisees, saw Jesus eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked the disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? I mean, why is he hanging with those homeboys? Like, why is he hanging with that rough crowd? Like, why is he with those guys that are, like, doing stuff that nobody does? Like, man, those guys are robbing people. Why is he hanging out with the tax attorneys? Who's, who's doing? There's some tax people in the house. We're not going to pick on those guys too much. I got a refund this year, so I love you this year. Next year, watch your back. You know what I'm talking about. When the, when, you know it's bad when, you, when your tax guy says, are you sitting down? It's like, ugh. No, why? You, just sit down. Okay, I'll sit down. Anyway, um, but it says this. It says that on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy. Well, let's just stop there. Jesus heard them. They're, they're like whispering behind his back. And, you know, Jesus got those awesome supernatural ears. And he's like, I'm just going to answer your question. Now, you're not going to ask me, but I'm going to go and tell you the answer. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. I've come not to call the righteous, but the sinners. I Man, I got some good news today. Jesus didn't come for people who had it all together. Jesus didn't come for the, the frozen chosen, Amen. I mean, if you've been around church world, you know what I'm talking about. Frozen chosen. He didn't come for the righteous few. He didn't come for the pious. He didn't come for the, the people that had it healthy all together, the, the, the wealthy, the, the status was hit. Somebody had walked that perfect path. Jesus came for the destitute. Jesus came for the sick. Jesus came for the sinners. Jesus came for people like me. Jesus came for somebody that is struggling with heroin addiction. So Jesus came for somebody that is marginalized, somebody who's maybe in prison, somebody who's disabled, somebody who's hurting, somebody who's quitting on life. Like, Jesus came for real people, amen? This is the most powerful passage in the Bible. Jesus describing, hey, I'm here not for the people who got it going on. I'm here for the people who got a jacked up life, the people whose lives are messed up. 
No, when religion said, hey, keep up your good deeds, do good work, you're not good enough, you got to clean up your mess, you got to fix your life. When religion said, we don't accept you, you just got to fix your life, like do this and do that and do this and do that and do this and do that. Jesus said with a big, bold statement, done. He didn't say do, he said done. He said, it is finished. Like you don't need to clean up your life. You don't need to fix your life. You don't need to become a better you. You don't need to change anything about you. Jesus does the work. Ultimately, Jesus, he accepted those that religion rejected. He didn't come for perfect people. It came for perfect, perfect people. He said it came for people like me. It came for sinners like me, people that are destitute, that are far from God. I make mistakes every single day, but Jesus loves me. We've blown away by the miracles of Jesus. Like you think about caring for the sick, caring for sinners. Jesus gave sight to the blind. Jesus gave a voice to the mute. He gave hearing to the deaf. Jesus walked with lepers and healed their leprosy. Jesus casted out demons. Jesus fed 5,000 people with a loaf of bread and some fishes. Jesus even changed water into wine, which doesn't really sit well with my Baptist friends. We have to work on that one. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about. But if you could just dig down in the Bible, man, it's in the original text. I'm not going to go there this morning. <laughs> Hugh laughs last. Uh, is the slow, thinks the slowest in the back there. I like you guys. Anyway, but the critics, no, nowhere in the Bible do the critics ever challenge the validity of Jesus' miracles. There's never one time that said, you really can't see. You're, not, you're still blind. Those lepers aren't healed. Nowhere in the Bible does somebody challenge the validity of his miracles. They just want him to stop doing them. Stop it, Jesus. You're, you're changing my system. You can't do that. And so if you look at our life today, there's so many miracles that God is still doing in people's lives. So many people transformed by the cross. You can, you can talk about my story or your story, all these Christians that are here that say, hey, I walked into church one day and I heard the message of Jesus and he came into my life and I walked out a different person. Like my life was messed up. I was addicted, but now I'm clean. And so today I want to share with you just us one story that we captured uh, just to share with you. This is a story of somebody in our church that you would honestly believe there is no way God's going to use. But God's miraculous transformation took place in this young lady's life. And now she's on a path to follow God and do incredible stuff. So I'm going to introduce you to Rose's story. Check it out. Hi, my name is Rose Taylor, and this is my story. My story with God growing up is that we went to church when I was really little, um, and then once my parents got divorced, we kind of stopped, but I never really had any like consistent beliefs. It wasn't until I got to college when I kind of formed my own ideas and beliefs, and we were um, just driving around looking for places, and we were at a stoplight, and we were getting ready to take off, and I just at the last second, I happened to glance over to my right, and I noticed that there was a for rent sign, and it was a big house, so we're like, hey, let's go check this out. So my friends and I checked out the house, and everything worked out to where we ended up getting that, getting the house to live in my sophomore year, and it just so happens that the um, landlord happened to be a pastor at a church. He ran a college class and invited us out, and my initial thought was, no thank you, I'll pass. I guess the only way I would go if you would like lower our rent a little bit, but that never happened. One of my roommates really wanted to go and she begged me and begged me and begged me and I was just so resistant. I did not want to go, but finally I gave in and I said, fine, I'll go this one time and that's it. Well, we ended up going and I 
I remember the, one of the first people I met was Christy Hardy. She's a hard person to forget, but I actually really enjoyed it. And we started going again and again and again. And I started to just have questions about who this Jesus was and what it really means to have a relationship with him and what that all entails and what that looks like. But I was actually afraid to ask about that. So I mentioned it to one of my roommates and he recommended that I just pray about it. So I remember I went home to St. Louis visiting my family. It was a Saturday night. I remember just praying to God for my first time that I would not be afraid to ask these questions. I was standing at a table and the pastor comes up and it was like a movie. Everything was blurred out except for him and it was slow motion coming towards me and I was thinking in my head, oh no, what's going on? What is he going to ask me? And, and he comes up to me and he goes, Rose, do you have any questions about salvation? And I just remember like my mouth dropping and just thinking like, oh my gosh, like I just prayed this a few days ago and here he is coming up to me asking me, do I have questions? And I, and I did. So I remember going back to the, the kitchen and we talked through it, like who Jesus is and what it means to have a relationship with him. And I don't even remember everything that he said. I just remember crying and knowing I needed to ask for forgiveness and ask Jesus into my life. I was still living for myself. I was still doing things that pleased me, that that made me feel good, that I just wanted to have fun and, and just do whatever I wanted to do. I don't think I truly surrendered to what God had for my life. And it wasn't until a year later um, that that same pastor challenged us to read through James. And this was actually the first time that I've ever picked up my Bible and started reading it. And that's when I got to James 4. Humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Come close to God and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. And I just remember, like, reading that over and over again, and, and I realized, like, my loyalty truly is divided between the world and God, and I was still living for the world. I was still doing what pleased me and whatever I wanted to do, and I felt like God was just giving me one of those spiritual spankings, you know? <laughs> and so that was that moment when I realized, like, I am ready for God to use my life in whichever way He wants. It wasn't until I started to mature in my faith that I started to discover my purpose and I, the plans that God had for my life. I knew that I had a love for God. I knew that I had a love for nursing and I knew that I had a love for traveling and, and experiencing new cultures. And I kind of had that aha moment where I was like, oh, I could be a missionary nurse. And so I ended up doing three months in South Africa. After that, I knew I wanted to go long-term. And so here I am. Now, 10 years later, going to Niger, which is in West Africa, with my husband and my little girl, and we're learning what it means to give up the things you love so that others can know that they're loved by God and that they can find their purpose in Him. Man, Rosa's story is just like so many other people's stories, right? Like, you'd never think, if you knew her story, that she would be a missionary, like, you'd never think that God's going to call her out of some of the things she's going through. For most of us, it'd be like the least likely person you'd pick that God would use. That would be Rose, right? And that's us in our stories. 
And for, for you today, like, God can write a significant story in your life. And that's just what he does. That's his ministry. That's the miracle of Jesus. There's so many of you have had the privilege of sitting down with and hearing your story. And my hair is raising on my arms going, wow, what a powerful God that he can change your life and take you from a mess and bring you a miracle. And that your life is on purpose with Jesus. And so consider Jesus' ministry this morning. Not only that, I want you to consider the resurrection of Jesus. What is the resurrection? Like, why is it so important at church? I remember my first Easter, you know, being a Christian, like, man, I'm really getting excited about this, you know? Like, I knew about it, but I didn't really understand, like, how big a deal this was. And so I was going to take a second and just dive into, like, why is this important to believe that Jesus came of a virgin? He was God and humbled himself. He was born without sin, didn't have a sin nature passed down from his dad lived a perfect life, and on that cross, he was crucified for wrong things just because religious people didn't like what he wanted. On that cross, he, was, he had been scourged and, and beaten, and he had a crown of thorns pressed on his face, and he said this crazy statement that just blows me away even today as I think about my own life. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As, he, as he's being mocked and spit on, he's asking forgiveness, praying to his Father to forgive his very enemy in that moment. I mean, what kind of love is that? Like, what kind of love is that? Like, you don't see that kind of love in our world today, that kind of grace in our lives. And that's the love of God. And Jesus goes on to make the most powerful statement that separated all of eternity and time. As he died on that cross, right before he took his last breath, he said, it is finished. It is finished. What is finished? Sin is finished. Because on that cross, Jesus took every ounce of our sin, every bad inside of us, and he exchanged it for all of his goodness. And so on him was pressed the way to sin. It crushed him. And it says in the Bible that our sins were nailed to the cross and Jesus became sin for us. And so he exchanged all of his goodness for all of our unrighteousness. And that is the greatest moment of all eternity. And he died on that cross. He gave up his last breath. The earth shook. And there's a Roman centurion who's not a Jesus follower. He looked up at the cross and he said this comment. He said, hey, surely today, guys, we just crucified the son of God. Like, I don't know Jesus, but I know that guy was the son of God. Like that was somebody that followed God. That, that, this is not an accident. There's a miracle that isn't gonna happen today. And Jesus predicted that he would give up his life in three days, he'd be raised from the dead. And just like he predicted, the women ran to the tomb and found the stone was rolled away, looked inside and there's no body. No body, no body, right? There's nobody there. They come running off. They tell Peter what's going on. He's like, man, okay, this is kind of crazy because Peter just denied Jesus three times. Like, hey, don't you know Jesus? I don't know Jesus, dude. Galilean? I don't know anything about that. Jesus, no way. And then he began to passionately preach the gospel because he had seen the risen Savior. It says in Acts 3, verse 15, it says this. Peter says this. You killed Jesus, the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. Like, we saw this. Like, you're not going to change my mind because I've seen Jesus. Like, I've seen the risen Savior. Like, that's who I'm going to follow. And so ultimately, Peter had paid the the price. Like, he lives out Jesus. He's like, I'm willing to die for Jesus, and he did. And there's so many theories about the body of Jesus. Like, we come up with these ideas, like, what happened? And some people say, like, the Roman soldiers stole the body of Jesus. And to be honest with you, they would love nothing more than have the body of Jesus. (laughs) They'd still be alive, right? (laughs) Like, here's Jesus. Here's his bones. And some people say the disciples stole Jesus. And it's like, okay, so there's 11, like, you know, fishermen dudes, like, attacked these Roman centurions and and won. And even then, the Roman centurions would still love to have that story that he didn't just disappear out of the tomb and was resurrected. And so we had come up with these different ideas. But do we really expect, like, any rational thinking person to think that 11 disciples, these average fishermen, they're uneducated, just devised this most deceptive plan of all of history and pulled it off and kept it a secret? at extreme personal cost, 
at extreme personal costs, all to make the world a better place. They cheated the world into being better. Incredible. So they were witnesses of this, that God was raised from the dead. It's just a fact of life that Jesus came to life. And some of us, we need a little more, right? Like doubting Thomas and say, hey, let me see the scars. Let me see the spear wounds. Is that real? Yeah, it is. And so Thomas sees Jesus and he goes off to be a missionary in India, the great evangelist. And he was killed for his faith. Why? Because he had seen the risen Savior, Jesus. I'm not going to tell you to go die for your faith. I'm just telling that Jesus rose from the grave. He is real this morning. And so the beginning of the church started with 3,000 people. And today there is millions upon millions upon millions of people just like us around the world today that celebrate the resurrection, that the rebirth of Jesus Christ arose from the dead. That is an incredible message of hope. And so today, don't only consider the resurrection or his ministry, but also consider the message of Jesus. He says it very clearly, how we made right with God. It says in Ephesians 3.22, it says, you're made right with God by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. You know, it doesn't say become a per- perfect person, but that'd be my aptitude, right? Like I'm gonna work hard enough. I'm gonna get where I need to go. You know, it doesn't say that, uh, you know, if you hit that, hit that bad shot at Creekmore, if you say a cuss word, you know how Jesus fall, right? Have you been there? You know, perfect golfers, I see. I have to buy a bag of balls at Walmart when I go because I just keep losing them, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'll make you look good, take me out, I'll make you feel better about your game. You know, it doesn't say not to get in a fight with your spouse and wait a real life Easter today in the car. Anybody, anybody there? No? Hey, I've learned, dude. I drive separate, you know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just kidding. No, not really. I mean, drive separate, but we learned, dude. It's amazing. The devil right there in the car, you get to worship Jesus today. Okay. Love Jesus. Be here. Get to church. We get in a fight over Jesus. It's like the craziest thing ever. But it says in the Bible that we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how much you've sinned. It doesn't matter how many people you've hurt. It doesn't matter how much guilt you have. It doesn't matter if you are guilty. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. The gospel is available at your doorstep. You know, we're not made right with God by being good enough but we're made right with God by Jesus exchanging all his bad for all our good this morning. You know, Jesus didn't come to start a religion. Jesus didn't come to start a religion, but to start a relationship. Your religion is all about working hard. It's, it's the performance of us. But a relationship with Jesus is all about the performance of Jesus. And man, Jesus performed, did he not? It's all about his performance on the cross, that he was perfect and died for our sins. And so we don't have to work away to God. We don't have to do, 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 do. We are different because it is done today. It is finished through the work of Jesus Christ, amen? We are different because of Jesus. And so today, here's what I'm saying. If there's a guy that predicted his own death, that claimed to be the son of God, predicted his own resurrection, and he rose from the dead, I'm just gonna go with that guy. I'm gonna go with that guy. And for me, I chose that guy when I was 14 years old. I was humbled myself because I was working hard at all the wrong things, right? I thought it was not that cool, but somewhat cool. That was smart, had it all together, was gonna make a lot of money, do all sorts of stuff. And Jesus, it jacked my life up in a great way when I heard the gospel message. Just like Rose today, maybe that's you. She came to Jesus and said, hey, this guy is somebody like me. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. This, is, this guy is for me. Because of Jesus, our only response is ultimately say, Jesus, take my life. Jesus, take my life. Like I had no idea the journey God was gonna put me on to start this church. I had no idea the journey God was gonna put me on to, to lead people to Christ and to do different stuff. And I'm gonna tell you, it's hard, but it's awesome hard. 
It's like the greatest faith journey ever because you're like nervous and excited at the same time. Like every time we do church, every time we do something for God, we're stepping out of faith. And that's the journey God's calling us to because there's people who are sick in need of a savior. And so maybe you're here today and you'd say, hey, you know what? Maybe I, I need Jesus. Like I, that's the guy for me. Like Jesus is who he said he is. Jesus did the work for me. And today I just need him to take my life. I just need to surrender life to him. Heavenly Father, we pray, we come before you, God, just to move in this place. God, we ask for a miracle to happen today. Not a miracle just happened 2,000 years ago, God, but a miracle to happen in our hearts in this church this morning that people far from you, God, would grow close to you and start a relationship with you. Many people here today would say you're a Jesus follower. There's people in your life that are close to you but far from God. You want to pray for those people this morning. There's people here that are family, that are, that are coworkers, there's neighbors, there's friends just around us. And we want to take a moment to pray for them. And so if you'd say, yes, you're a follower of Jesus, and there's people that you love, that are close to you, that you want to pray, commend to pray for, that they need to find the freedom and grace that Jesus offers. We just lift your hands right now, if that's you. There's people around you you just want to pray for. I see your guys' hands all across the room. Let's just pray for you this morning. God, we come before you. God, I pray that we could discover real life in Jesus. God, I pray there'd be somebody here today that would experience your grace and your forgiveness, God. I pray we wouldn't be tempted to fix ourselves. God, but I pray that we trust in you, God. Trust in your finished work on the cross, God. You declared it is finished today, God. I pray for miracles across this room. As we continue to pray today, there are many of you that aren't church-going people. You've, you've, you've been in the rodeo. You've been to Easter before. You've been to Christmas. You kind of grew up in church, maybe had an experience with church. And maybe today it's just been about religion. Maybe you recognize it's kind of been in your head, but not in your heart. And so I want to encourage you to take that step, move that 18 inches from your head into your heart. Man, some of you are sitting here today going, man, I can't believe the roof hasn't fallen down on me yet. <laughs> like we're almost done. I'm almost made. I'm about to make it. We're almost here. But something's happening inside of you. There's some, something mysterious going on. There's something just drawing to God. And then what is that? That's the kindness of God. That's the grace of God. That's the Holy Spirit speaking into your life. He's just reaching into you and he's saying, hey, yes, I love you. Yes, I'm in a relationship with you. Some of you today are about to become a miracle right now. Some of you are gonna look back in two years at Easter 2018 and say, I came in one person, but I left a different person. I left a different person because of Jesus changed my life and I'm not a better version of me. I'm just a new version of me. The oldest passed away. Behold, all things became new. You know, for some of you this morning, you're gonna feel the weight of sin on your shoulders right now, just knowing you don't know Jesus. And when we confess our sin to God, he forgives us, he cleanses us, he makes us a brand new person. And so today I ask you to consider who Jesus is, consider what he did, consider what he did for you. This is the end of this podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss another inspirational podcast. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com.